Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Growth Farm Production. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Lead generation, more leads, better leads, quality leads. Businesses want to generate more leads and book more quality appointments, but how? Salespeople often hate their CRM. Why? Because they are hard to use, difficult to customize and expensive to maintain. This means leads and opportunities don't get updated. Things get missed and sales can suffer. Insightly is the modern CRM that teams love. Easy to use, flexible enough to support your unique needs and scales with you as you grow. This helps you sell smarter, grow faster and build lasting customer relationships. Insightly is trusted by more than a million users worldwide. For more information, visit insightly.com forward slash get insightly. In this episode of the Revenue Engine podcast, Michael Maximoff, the co-founder and managing partner at Belkins, shares his experience and insights that helped make Belkins an award-winning full-scale agency that helps businesses in over 50 industries across the globe. So please take a listen and learn what you can do to be more effective at prospecting, at lead generation, and ultimately in revenue outcomes. So super excited to be here today with Michael Maximoff, the co-founder and managing partner at Belkins. So Belkins is ranked as number one lead generation agency in 2022, according to all major review websites like Clutch and G2 and UpCity. You know, in five years with no external investments, this is a startup that grew into an award-winning full-scale agency that drives results for businesses in 50-plus industries across the globe. Their team empowers businesses of all scales to grow through innovative marketing and sales solutions. So welcome, Michael, and thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to learn more about you and learn from you. Rosalind, thanks for having me here. I'm happy happy to be with you, having to have this conversation. Awesome, awesome. So, so I always like to start with talking a little bit about your career journey. I mean, you've had you know, really interesting career journey from B2B sales and marketing to building companies and to really bootstrapping startups. So maybe can you share more about your backstory, you know, talk about your career journey, you know, prior to Balkans? Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's a good question to start off the conversation because um, I have a, a a very strange answer to it. I was like, and I think that many people <laughs> can relate to it. So we started the business because uh, me and my partner, we, we felt that any good company would hire, no, no good company would hire us. Right. So we felt like we don't have <laughs> enough experience. We don't have enough knowledge. We don't have, you know, anything that uh, people would want to hire us for. We said, hey, we are, we are average. We are mediocre, whatever. <laughs> and we feel that way. But because we, we felt like, hey, you know, we've been around just for a few years. I've been in sales only for, you know, three years back then. I changed to companies. I was selling, but I wasn't the top seller. Um, uh, but 
I think that's something that differentiated me from all, uh, you know, apart from all other sales reps, uh, was that I was always taking ownership for everything that was happening in the company. You know, so I was the first guy who opened the office. I was the the last guy who left the office. I was always, you know, um, I was always talking to product. I was always talking to design. So I was, you know, I, I felt like I was a a you know a owner of the organization, but I wasn't. I was just a hired sales rep, right? But I, I, I felt like this kind of attitude and approach is, is something that I should cater in my own company to every person in the organization feel like this is their own company, right? So that they feel that this is the part of their story. This is the long-term success that they're building. And they're not just hired for a salary here. And this is one of the first things that we started implementing once we started the agency. And and again, we started it because, you know, and this is for, you know, the people that started their own service companies, right? In service, you need to know what you're doing and have a client for whom you can do it. That's it, right? You don't need a startup capital. You don't need to go raise money, whatever. You just need, you know, you just need to be able, right? So we, I knew that I can, I can do SDR. I can do sales development. I can book appointments. I know how to do that. I know how to close. And my partner, Vlad, who started this company with me, he was working with me on, uh, with, as a, a head of database research department. So these are the guys that are manually generating leads. So right now, you know, there are all, all of those fancy tools like ZoomInfo and Apollo and Prospect.io. But uh, when we started, and obviously, you know, ZoomInfo had been around back then, but... Um, but it was so expensive, you know, there's only few companies can acquire Zoom Info. So, uh, right. So we had, okay, we've built our own team of lead researchers whose job were the scrape, scraping data from all of these, you know, places from open data sources and putting together a nice list. And so my, my part of life knew how to do that. So we are like, hey, what if we're going to combine these experiences, right? And we have you generating leads on clients' behalf. I go after those leads and book some calls and we can, you know, create a, 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 a small agency, like a boutique shop where we can work with some clients. But when we start, you know, when we start working with the first few clients, we're like, hey, well, we are pretty good at this. So why don't we get some of our friends, uh, my partner, Vlad, get his wife, wife involved in the process. <laughs> uh, I get my best friend, Alice, who is now our current, our, our currently managing partner um, at our organization. So we start just getting friends and just working and chilling and, and having the life lifestyle, right? Uh, but we were so genuine with each other and so open and honest about like who and how we do that, so that uh, people just, you know, tagged along and they help us to build the, the, the company. But obviously, so we were kind of a startups or like, you know, people that were like, you know, living the life and building the startup. But at the same time, we had the, the business mentality. So we were focused on the numbers. We had our metrics. We had our KPIs. We had our P&L down. So the first thing that we've done where we've, we've, uh, we've downloaded a, a template for a P&L somewhere and we've started categorizing each and every dollar that is spent on our company. And because of that, we, we, we knew our numbers. We knew what, where we need to spend them, what we need to do to make this happen. And then we've set up our OKRs, like simple, hey, you know, we need to grow 10% every month, like inch by inch. And, and then, you know, first year we made our first, uh, I think with the first year we made our first like 
something like $300,000. We had just one or a few clients. Then the next year we've, uh, we hit, uh, you know, 850 million, uh, sorry, $850,000. Then we went to 3 million, you know, then six, then 10, then 20. And you just kind of keep on, you know, rocking every, every year. And as a result of uh, the great people that work with us and as a result of this, you know, genuine approach that we've been pursuing from, you know, from the day one. So that's, that's the story. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. And just it's such a, just an organic way to grow, right? You kind of say, Hey, there's something we can help, you know, help, help clients with or help customers with kind of start helping. And then you just build. I love the fact like your, like your co-founder found, you know, brought his wife on, you brought a friend on and just kind of started to build out a business. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a great way to build a great business. You know, we, we appreciate every, uh, you know, every talented people that contribute, right? So we don't believe that there should be like a, you know, you don't work with your family or you don't work with your friends or don't hire your best body or whatever, uh, because at the end it's about healthy relationship and honest relationship. So if you can be friends with someone, but then work with them and be generally about the work, then that's fine. And very often when you give a, a transparent feedback, when you're honest, when you're committed, when you take ownership, uh, you know, things are just start happening between, you know, colleagues or between people in the team and, and, and that's it. And, and you just grew from there. Right. And, um, and because of that, I was so, um, I was so lucky to get a lot of great people working with me. So, because like we nurtured relationship and people around us, we were focusing on retaining great people. So the worst thing ever is when someone that you worked with for years is leaving the company because they don't see themselves with you growing or they don't see, you know, the, you know, their aligned of their interest with yours. And we don't want that. That's why we like always, we were kind of a building a platform, building the team and always creating opportunities for the team to grow within and outside them, but always keeping those opportunities connected between each other. That's why we've kind of started as agency. And then uh, now because, you see me on the screen, you have, you see Folderly here, it's one of the products oh, we're uh -huh. building. So we've uh, also built several SaaS products and we kind of, and the reason why we're doing that, because we want to make sure that if you're growing outside the agency and you feel like, well, I want to do something more, something different, a different industry, a different ICP, you know, different product, not a service, then we wanted to make sure that we have that offer available to you, that you can continue building those things with us together, that you're not you know, leaving the team and taking all of that experience that you've had, all of those knowledge, all of that alignment somewhere else and build someone else's future instead of building together future with us, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, I was going to ask a little bit about, you know, when you first started the company, you know, six years ago, and then kind of what, you know, you shared a lot about, you know, what that vision was, but, you know, how has it changed, you know, if at all over the last six years? Um. That's a, that's a great question, Rosalind. So obviously there was a change and there's always a change, right? But I feel like, and this is something that I've, I've learned from, um, from, you know, from some of the founders that I've been personally like looking after and reading their books. Um, there's, um, there's one Canadian startup, um, or Canadian consultant company, um, um, I don't remember the name of the founder, but what I know is that when I listened to one of their courses, he, he told me a great thing. He, 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 he taught me that every organization should have several core values uh, in, in their DNA uh, throughout their lifetime, throughout all the time that you know, they're growing and building the business. And 
there there shouldn't be like five, 10, 15, 20. There should be always three, four, five, maybe maximum top core values that are that you can apply for every person in the organization. And those core values should be explained in a great great detailed manner how they can be applied. So what we did with We've we built those first three values, and we uh, you know and we followed and adhered those all three values uh, throughout our you know last six years. And this is something that cannot be changed, right? This is the values. This is the core. This is who we are. Uh, but everything else is changing. Obviously, you know there are new people on board. There's new you know KPIs, metrics, challenges, opportunities, products, clients, locations, industries, right? But all of those core values that combine all of us together, why we're doing this together. They are the same throughout the, the six years. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the companies, because I mean, you have an opportunity to work with so many different B2B companies, you know, really helping them, you know, book more appointments, generate more quality leads. Like, yeah. what are some of the things that maybe you see companies, you know, doing right when it comes to lead generation or booking appointments? And what are some of those things that they do wrong? Yeah. So um, companies that are doing successful appointment setting are successful in everything that where they are doing. So they are not like struggling in a way like they have a good customer success team, they have a great product, uh, they have a good retention team, uh, they have a good sales team. Usually appointment setting comes when when growth is, right? So like you wanted to do appointment setting for the growth. And for you to grow, you obviously need to make sure that all other areas in your business are successful. So if you heavily rely on, and this is to answer the second part of your questions, what uh, where companies are wrong, is when you wanted to apply one channel or one approach, like, hey, you know, I want to do appointment setting, but my client team sucks or something like that. Then they goes hand by hand, right? Because we are living in the world of a data-driven buying uh, decisions. So it means that before anyone uh, answer your emails, uh, answer your email, they will go to and check you up on Clutch or on Captera, on you know, on on other service, right? They will go to see your website. Mm-hmm. They will see your client case studies. They will see your blog. So they will just do the research to see you know whether you're going to be uh, worth of them investing their time in you, right? Uh, that's why uh, I think that uh, we've we've seen great success with organizations that are really careful about their business and careful about their their growth and they're, they're really thoughtful and well-rounded. And this is the key, right? So really taking care of all of your bases, not just the one, right? Um, we've seen that um, company uh, successful with appointment setting when they have a consistent brand and they consistently... Um, invest in marketing because the you know appointment setting is about conversion so uh, i'll i'll tell you the truth rosaline uh, we've run almost we've run campaigns for almost 2000 clients over the last 6 years 2000 companies uh, in about 50 industries um all sizes startups mid-size enterprise you know we've targeted you know 100 millions of leads uh, and about 90 98% of these campaigns were successful but they were not successful from the first day, but they were eventually successful. And the reason is that email channel and, and appointment setting, they work for every business, for every organization. If you're in B2B, this is going to work. The question is mm-hmm. how good it works in terms of the conversions, what kind of conversion you can expect and what kind of budget you have, right? So if I am expecting to generate appointments at $100, but I've never done that, this channel before, then can can I actually do that? Can, is this achievable KPI for the team? Maybe not. 
but maybe you can start at 300 and then month after month you can go down right so i think that um be realistic about the expectations be really really realistic about the kpis that um you are setting up for your team and for our team for example is the way to go and we when you're managing those expectations correctly and when you're working on increasing your conversion uh month after month uh you will see this channel to be very successful and then once the appointments are done the next challenge is like well how do i close them because you know very often when companies rely on inbound channel and generating interest from you know word of mouth they are incapable of of actually closing deals with without bond because the, the pitch is different uh, the sales cycle is longer there is a lot of nurturing there etc cetera, etc cetera. so you also need to know how to close those so again um just to kind of sum up on, on that first part of the question um well-rounded marketing a consistency in terms of how you invest in marketing making sure that uh you have uh, the, the 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 correct expectations in front of you manage those expectations and then um have the right team um that will win for you this channel eventually you will and you know the channel will be successful because this is a, a very strong marketing channel it's just a matter of how long and what kind of resources you need to to make it successful and then opposite to this what people are doing wrong is they're not consistent with their marketing they're just investing into one channel not other channels they're not consistent with their brands um they uh, have the team for a short period of time then they change the team they put budget they they take budget off the channel and they mm. back and forth and you know yourself right marketing uh marketing doesn't like the the, the the variation to change they really would like the consistency because then the team with the consistent budget can actually uh make the right smart decisions based on the data that they generated and then uh, implement mm -hmm. and increase the conversion and then eventually build a successful channel you just need to have the right team for that yeah yeah i love that that's great I, that there's actually a lot of great advice in there in terms of kind of you know what what folks should be thinking about what they should be doing you know you touched on this a little bit because i think when with buyers right before they actually have that conversation with you or before they actually even take the call i mean buyers are just much more informed right we have so many so much data at our um you know available to us and with that we're more demanding right and so i think reaching you know the right prospects and getting them to have a conversation with you, right, is increasingly challenging. So what are you maybe seeing in the market? You know, what are you seeing as effective techniques for companies to really, you know, kind of cut through that noise and get to those right conversations? Yeah, great question. So I, I believe in, in the remote work and I believe in a, in a global approach. So I believe that uh, you should sell internationally, you should hire internationally and, and really leverage uh, everything that market gives you in terms of uh the you know um the, the the people that you can hire you know if you're hiring in eastern europe or in asia or in the united states uh, i also feel like you need to leverage any technology that you can get your hands on as as well as just try to cater your services and products to industry or the type of companies that you know can can uh, can can buy services for uh for a higher cost however at the same time, I think that, um, and I, I speak to to this already um, in my previous conversations. It's about the the cycle of marketing. So we're in we're in, in a kind of a cycle in, in terms of 
we've been been 20 years ago where we are right now when where are we going to be in the next 20 years and right now we are at the place where there's too much automation there's too much tools and there's too much things that automate and less human interaction less human work that's why when uh, when uh, revenue leaders are are building uh, sales and marketing teams they're thinking about well how i can decrease the the headcount and how i can help and automate as, as much work as they can for all of my people, right? And one of the things they're doing in terms of actually targeting the right prospect, they're thinking about buying a ZoomInfo because they feel like, well, ZoomInfo has the up-to-date uh, data, they, uh, they have so many customers, they have a great business model, whatever. But then when you ask yourself a question, it's like, where does ZoomInfo get the data from? Well, like, do they how accurate the data is, how long they're updating. Can you imagine updating 100 million uh, contact records every month or even every three months? No. And then how many people have access to the same data, right? So it's like, well, so many. So instead of doing that, why don't someone hire or bring on board someone, you know, uh, for, for, again, maybe you can, if you have budget, you can bring someone in the United States. Maybe you can outsource for someone, but then someone that could manually access data, verify data in real time, go check out LinkedIn, go check out the website of the customer, do some digging, create 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 names of the prospects that person would say, these are the up-to-date prospects, they're good, they're targeted, collect some personalized data about you know, the conferences that those people were, uh, were keynoting or about some things that they wrote about, whatever, but create some personalization point and then hand this data over to SDRs and say, hey, these are the hand-picked hundred names, let's go. And then SDRs go and, 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 and market those. So you can imagine that the conversion and results from this hundred name list is way higher than by just accessing the same list from the generic database. So I think that the answer to your question is A, personalization, B, uh, actual human work and interaction, even though it might be more expensive, but right now you can make it work. Uh, you can find a freelancer, you can outsource, can find a remote worker, you can manage that. But at the end of the day, when several people combine together, um, are dedicated to a certain task, um, and and they can, with automation, you can help with some volume, but not only relying on automation, uh, you, you will see success. And this is something that works really well for a lot of our clients. Um, so this is one you know huge point. Uh, another argument here is um, the, the A-B testing. I mean, Oh my God, um, very often when you, when you feel like, you know, when you analyze your current client list and say, okay, you know, my decision makers are, you know, head of engineering, uh, you know, because like they are budget holders and you start sending emails, making calls, connecting with people and selling to head of engineers, you can very easily realize that maybe head of engineers are not the best people to sell this product to maybe uh, head of product, maybe engineering team leaders are the best. Maybe you need to go to CTO, right? So the idea is that whenever you start in any appointment setting campaign, you always need to A-B test and you A-B test everything. You A-B test the titles, you A-B test the industries, you A-B test the sizes of organization, and you also A-B test the, the approach that you're taking, the messaging, more formal, more informal, the subject line, the email bodies, the personalization. Uh, the, the, more, uh, the more data you have, uh, within the shorter period of time, uh, the, the more theories you test it, and then the, the, the more theories and hypotheses you test it in a way, then you can pretty much 
make some smart data-driven decisions. Uh, and then the 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 you know the my recommendation is always log all the data. So when you do A/B testing, make sure that you can log all the data and you see the the stats later on. Uh, right, because when you do A/B testing in one, two, three, four years, then you don't have any historical records about the A/B testing. So that's that's not going to work. So I think that you know personalization, um, um, you know hand curated work, um, A/B testing. These are the three uh, pillars of of very very successful campaigns. Uh, to be honest with you, and then I think like just additional one here is the consistent uh, work of SDR and the persistence of it, so of the of that SDR work. So I mean that um, very often when, um, the, you know, the SDR, so right now we've seen that the average successful outbound campaign have about um, about 15 to 20% reply rate. So if you send an email to, uh, you know, 500 prospects, you should generate about between 50 to 100 responses. And you can imagine that the majority of those responses are either not interested or some in, internal forward or out of the office or contact later. So how if you consistently reply all of those follow up nurture those conversations then you can uh get more meaningful conversations at the end but when you're only all focusing on answering to the people that uh, said you sure send me more information then you won't be able to build a successful sales development process mm, got it got it that's great thank you for sharing that i think there's lots of lots of really great, you know, actionable tips and also things to really think about um, when you're, you know, trying to get to those better conversations. You know, maybe along the same lines, do you have any predictions for maybe what changes we might see in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months in the space around, you know, cutting through the noise? Yeah. Um... So um, obviously AI going to play a huge role and uh, not necessarily in the language processing space, but more like some uh, spam detection or into some filtering, right? Because um, uh, you would be surprised, but I mean, you, you probably know that, uh, but um, the six, year, six years ago when we started the agency, you can easily send a cold email and you will pretty much get a response because most of the emails were landing in the inboxes. But these days, try to send a cold email or straight go to, to the spam folder, right? So the spam filters start being more and more aggressive with the way they're filtering um, emails. Um, and we're going to see that's happening more and more and more. So they're going to see different patterns. Uh, they're going to put more emails into spam folder. Uh, you're going to see more, more emails popping up on your inbox. But then you just need to be smart about it, right? Like having... Again, the right team, uh, the right technology, the right approach, the right mindset. Uh, this is the, the, the way to go. Uh, one of the predictions that, and I, this is the trend that I've seen, and this is something that we start to following more and more and more, is uh, less volume, more intent. So we start focusing more about, you know, what value our clients can get from the content, even from a single post or from a conversation or from a blog post. Like, is this actually the proprietary information that we have? Is this valuable? Is this something that we just rewrote, reposted, found somewhere on, in the, on the internet, or this is the original thought? And we're trying to be as original as we can because then we can create our authentic message. And, you know, it's very difficult to be original when you are creating volume. And also because... Uh, the the people that create content are not necessarily the people that actually do some work, right? So very often, like um, marketing creates content, uh, account management or client team works with clients and have the information, and it's very tough to get their attention and say, "Hey guys, I know you've been on the project, but can you write your thoughts about this?" It's tough, right? But really having them 
spilling out and, and, and sharing their thoughts about the actual IP, the actual core of what and how you do that, the tips um, is, is, is very important. That's why I'm sharing all the data that I have, because I feel like this is important for, for listeners to know that this is an actual data that I collected, that I work with, that I believe that I'm building my businesses according to, right? And not, not just kind of watering the dog with something. So that's, you know, that's, that's, that's something that is definitely going to be more and more trending. And then, um, and then I think that the other thing that is, um, you know, important to mention here is, um, I think that um, I've seen in the last five, 10 years, um, there's a, a, a a certain gap happening between uh, marketing and sales and, um, and and client team. And we know there's like a chief revenue officer and revenue leaders that are focusing on bringing these teams together and making some powerful decisions. But I still see that there's a miscommunication, a gap in terms of connect between these teams. So I feel like, uh, you know, marketing teams are usually working towards some marketing goals and sales are closing clients. They are not very aligned. So I think that something that uh, for a lot of successful companies, there should be more and more alignment between these teams and making sure there is someone that has been in sales, has been in marketing, has been in client management and knows the stuff. So they can make some smart decisions about all those things and not just being driven by the marketing goals or being driven by sales. Uh, and uh, having this connection between all those departments and and and, and developing uh, you know leaders in in that that are able to 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 meet kpis in in that um, in that area i think that this is uh, this is the way to go in the next few years for sure yeah it's, it, you know particular for me so yeah i love that i love that i'm you're speaking my language i'm always talking about the alignment you know just across all of the teams because it's drives so much there's so much benefit right just around having people align the efficiency being you know the optimization but also the customer experience Absolutely. right to be yeah to have well, that so i i give you an example like i um i was surprised that my marketing team wasn't so the icp that my marketing team was going after was based on the sales process not based on the delivery process so they didn't double check or they didn't confirm the icp with the you know uh successful clients that we have with the industries that we've been successful with the companies that we can deliver but they were purely based on their own conversions and how what is the tam you know how many leads we can generate what's our best conversions where we get more interest but it they're just we're puking oh it's here's we can generate the interest but it's not necessarily then then we can deliver that interest and when I came in and I aligned those and I explained that this is the industry, this is how going after. And then even in the marketing team, like the, the business development was going after ICP, but then the, the, the video team or the team that was creating content for blogs, they didn't know whether the ICP that they've been going after is the same that the BDRs, right? So they were not aligned even within the marketing team. So even bringing this to light and, and aligning everyone in the marketing team, starting with the content creators, uh, video editors, uh, business developers, CEO specialists, and explaining this is the industry or this is the ICP that we're going after. And then everyone was like, oh, well, then I can adjust the way I create content, mm -hmm. where I do that based on that ICP and not just bluntly going after some uh, trending topics or some things that are happening that will give me more views, but not a lot of intent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, with with you know just the market volatility, right? In the past few years, we've seen so much change. But I think you just touched on is one thing that hasn't changed, and I think is even more critical to businesses now is that client satisfaction and retention, right? I feel like you know, I, I when you were talking about sort of the you know understanding from a marketing perspective, Ron, what are those clients that are successful that stay with you, right, and continue to do business with you, and that should feed back into your marketing, you know, into your marketing engine. I think a lot of companies forget to do that, and I think you know, focusing in on client satisfaction and retention is just so incredibly important, yeah. right? For so many reasons. Absolutely. And I think Belkin's, I mean, you know, is highly rated by its clients as demonstrated by, you know, just many awards and recognitions I saw for your company, you know, highly, highly regarded. So, you know, what is your philosophy around client success? And maybe how has that helped Belkin's with revenue acceleration. Thank you. I, I appreciate the kind words. Um, I kudos to the team. You know, I always say that this is the team. Uh, that's what they deserve. They're doing hard work all the day, doing the hard lifting. So, um, so the philosophy behind the, the approach is, uh, you know, delivery is the king. Uh, so sales is, uh, is, a, is a great booster, uh, like a gasoline, but uh, retention and uh, delivery team is the king. And I feel like every service business should be fueled or their growth should be fueled by the retention by existing customers, not the new ones. And um, the, the reason why we've even one of the reasons why we built this philosophy was that when we started the agency, we've been analyzing the market. We've seen so many competitors of ours that have been struggling uh, because they've been focusing on acquisition and just, you know, they, they were bringing on board, you know, six figure salespeople that were just, you know, crushing in sales, closers like superstars, but then they, you know, you cannot, you know, you cannot spend all of your budget on acquisition and then leave nothing for delivery, right? Because then you will save <laughs> on delivery, right? So that's something should be saved, right? You should be saving on something, right? Then it will be delivery. So because they've been saving on delivery on the long term, on the long run, um, they, they ended up, they, they've been growing fast. So, you know, we have some companies in my industry that grow pretty really, really fast. But what's happened at, at the growth stage where they, you know, they start working with several hundred clients, their churn rate was incredible, like 25%, 40%. And you can imagine having this, you know, hundreds of people on board that you need to pay salary for when you have 30, 40% churn rate, right? Like you need to go quickly and generate more revenue. So you start bringing more great salespeople. And then it's a, it's a, it's like, a, it's like a, uh, you know, it's a never ending problem. Like you need people are, you know, clients are churning, you're bringing more clients, you bring more, more clients, you need more people and clients are trying, et cetera, et cetera. So our philosophy was always retention first, clients are first. So it means that um, we are betting our clients. So our sales team, uh, they, they they don't uh, close deals with clients that we they 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 didn't pass the score that we don't that we cannot deliver for because of some you know objective reasons uh, so uh, that's why uh, you know our sales team sometimes they they lost some deals not because you know clients say no but because we said no right and um, usually that's not how it works because closers needs to close but not for us so um, very often we uh, we add more resources. Uh, we sometimes, uh, you know, decrease our profits, uh, but we know that for the, every double work that we do for the clients, we're going to get a payoff later, right? So we're really, you know, making sure that uh, clients are taken care of. But also, I think that with the philosophy was that 
people that are managing client accounts should make calls. So we don't have a, a structure in our organization where for to get a discount or to get a extra uh, one week free of charge for the work that we want to do to hit some results or to add some extra leads, you need to get a manager approval and say, hey, can we do that? Because finance don't allow. What we do, our account managers can make their own shots. And if they know that this is our mistake or this something was off, we don't know whose fault is that, but we know that if we do this, then clients will be happy, then we go for it, right? We go for it all the time. And then we know that at the end, you know, we will um, will be successful and clients will, will be happy about this work. And because of that, um, you know, great people, um, and then obviously great people, right? Like you need to make sure that the people that are taking care of clients, they are with your organization for a long time. Uh, and because of that, we really take care of, of, of our client team. And obviously we take care of everyone in our organization, but really client team is the, you know, is the, the business engine for, for our organization. And that's why we really care of all the people. We train them, we, we cater them, we take care of them, you know, emotionally, financially, and really make sure that everyone is, is, is super on board, that they can focus on clients and making clients happy. So these are the three like main pillars, I would say. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, the business engine, I have to remember that, you know, as I think about, um, you know, the revenue engine in this podcast, I'm always hoping others will be able to really learn how to accelerate revenue growth and retain revenue, right? And power that revenue engine. So maybe from your perspective, you know, what are the top maybe two or three things that you think all revenue leaders should really be thinking about today? to grow and retain revenue? Um, obviously work on your churn, uh, right? Make sure that you can decrease your churn as uh, as low churn as you can. Really churn is the best way to go. Then um, other thing is um, making sure that uh, you can generate revenue from your existing customers, either through upsells or cross-sells or from uh, referrals, but really capitalizing on that, right? Like. Um, I, I, sometimes I feel like, and if uh, some of my clients are listening to this, I'm sorry about this, but I, I feel like sometimes our team are too much in terms of asking. They're just asking the clients like, hey, can you do this for us? Can you do this for us? But whatever, right? It's like, it's the, the business, right? We need to make sure we the clients are successful and we are successful. That's why uh, feel free to ask your clients about, um, you know, referral. Um, uh, show them different services, different products, uh, you know, retain their account, grow that account and to get more and more business. I think that uh, for healthy business, this is very important. The other thing is um, audience and audience is the king and who owns the audience uh, can be successful long-term in, 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 in their kind of, in, in their growth. So by audience, I mean, where you can get your audience. Can you build community around your brand, around the problem, right? A lot of businesses currently start building communities because like, for example, we have a Belkin's community of sales and marketing that has already 1500 members. We started it last year uh, where we are, you know, um, giving people shared uh, knowledge and, and experience about sales and marketing and growth together, right? Um, there's so many great communities out there that are, you know, like just, uh, uh, you know, people are building their YouTube channels. B people are building their LinkedIn pages, personal brand. But as 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 long as you're building a content platform, or as long as you're building a community platform, or something that you can have an audience around your brand or around certain industry or certain topic that you can cater, this is not the money that you waste. This is the long-term investment. Uh, you know, and uh, that's why. Uh, 
just work with your audience, build your audience. Um, I, I think this is like absolutely most these days. And then I think that being an omni-channel is also important, like really um, uh, taking advantage of all the marketing channels that are out there right now. So for example, like, you know, you need to optimize your website, right? You need to uh, run social, you need to run ads, you need to work with review platforms, you need to run campaigns, warm up the audience, do retargeting, do content. And sometimes it's a, well, it's just too much, Michael, right? But that's not actually, that's the way you do it, do strong marketing, build the brand, right? And just, again, having the right team doing that for you when you can outsource, outsource, work with freelance, for example, like, um, uh, we have a very strong SEO team right now, and we were always thinking, you know, building everything in-house. Like, yeah, we need that in-house because we feel like our people are the best, right? But it appeared that we failed so many times in building our own link building team. We couldn't manage the link building properly. It just couldn't, right? And uh, for people that are listening, usually when you do the link building, you help to organically promote your website, get more traffic, et cetera, et cetera, right? Get your keywords to the first page of Google. And the problem with links is that, uh, you know, you cannot get links from the website that is not relevant for your business, but having the relevant websites linking to, to your website is, is tough. So you usually, what do you do? You do the outreach, you start, hey, can you post the link? I can post your link, et cetera, et cetera. But that approach doesn't work. So instead of that, there are some companies and firms and you know, even freelancers that are part of this network of, of networks of journalists, people that content creators, um, editors, and those you know, content creators, they always need fresh data. They always need feedback, they always need data. So what they do, if they, you give them the right data, then they can link you to your website or to you, et cetera. So in, basically the, the learning that I've had was, well, instead of building the in-house team with the average approach that I don't know how to do, I would hire a professional that can do it on my behalf and guarantee the results of the work by, by providing the service that impossible to build if you're not in that business for 10 years or 15 years, right? And leveraging that. So I think that um, I, I, that was a mistake of mine. So I really, for all the listeners, like if you can outsource, if you can freelance, if you can cut, cut corners, do that. Because there are so many great people out there that can do the work at the much lower cost that you would feel you would do or the better quality that you would just feel feel that you would build that in-house, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Especially there's just so many freelancers right now, right? Everybody's doing their side, you know, side business and such. And so leveraging that talent and that experience, but at a fraction of the cost because it's a short-term, right? It's a short-term uh, project work versus longer term. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Michael. But as we wrap up and before I let you go, I always ask guests two things. One, you know, what is the one thing about you that others would be surprised to learn? And two, what is the one thing that you really want everyone to know about you? All right. You caught me off guard here. <laughs> uh, you know, I am kind of an open book, right? So I think that, so the thing that uh, everyone would be surprised to know, if you hit me on LinkedIn or by email and you ask me the question, I will give you, I will give you my honest answer. Like they just ask me the question about my business. Like how much money did you make last year? And I'll give you that. I'm very honest because I feel like data itself is nothing but the way you execute on that data. So the execution is the king, right? So if you yeah. can execute better than I execute, then you 
you know you won the the the, the fight right like that's it you're the better competitor the better competition but if you if i can with the same data if i can do a better execution then it's my fair win, right? So I think that, again, for everyone, like if you want to hit me up with any questions or really need to help with anything, I'll be happy to share whatever I have. And I'm, you know, I'm consistently checking my social, you know, and, and having people checking them. So uh, I'll be sure to get, get back to anyone um, ASAP. And then for people that something that um, don't know, hmm, um, I'm originally from Ukraine, so you probably got the uh, the accent. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but I'm um, I'm like, you know, traveling a lot these days. Uh, I visited probably about twenty countries last year. So wow, yeah. So remote remote work really works for me. So I'm just kind of you know, um, yeah. And uh, last um, last summer, I was lucky to be in Iceland when there was a volcano eruption. And I was able to hike to volcano, and that was amazing. You can imagine, uh, like uh, having a lunch in front of the volcano when there's like like I don't know, 50, 50 meter <laughs> volcano in front of you. It's it's insane. Yeah, but it was so so fun. So you know, awesome. enjoy the life and travel, and work. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate just your time and sharing so many great insights. Lots of great advice, I think, for the listeners. So just want to thank you again for your time and just super grateful for you. Rosalind, thanks for having me and hope you guys enjoyed the talk. Thank you. Thank you. 